It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 181, Quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world. I, I suppose, in a sense, we have to begin with this. Mr Speaker, I want to apologise. I know that millions of people across this country have made extraordinary sacrifices over the last 18 months. I know the anguish that they have been through, unable to mourn their relatives, unable to live their lives as they want or to do the things they love. And I know the rage they feel with me and with the government I lead when they think that in Downing Street itself the rules are not being properly followed by the people who make the rules. That is the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, who's in deep trouble. Some people think that he will survive this. Other people think he shouldn't. Uh, and some will think that the, the writing is very much on the wall. Now, what's the story? The story is that 100 people were invited to a kind of drinks, an outdoor drinks party at the Prime Minister's number 10 residence, and that he was certainly there, as he admits, for 25 minutes with 40 other people. This was at a time when people were discouraged from... They weren't discouraged. It was illegal for more than two people to meet together. Uh, he described it as work. He's tried to get his way around it. Uh, there is outrage, um, understandably so. But, but, well, I'm not going to defend Boris Johnson personally. I think if you make the rules and you break them, then you probably should resign. But I must say that I'm very disappointed at how the media, the Labour Party and others have whipped this up as though they themselves were immune from this kind of hypocrisy. And the standard media propaganda is, you know, to get relatives of COVID deceased people. And that, by the way, that would include me. My father died during this period. Now, it wasn't because of Boris Johnson I couldn't come home. It was because of the Australian rules. And I, too, get upset when I hear people breaking those rules, uh, those in power who manage to, to get round them and so on. And I, But I do think the broadcast leading of a lynch mob, you know, I can't help but wonder if Nicola Sturgeon had done the same thing, and certainly some of the Green MSPs in Scotland did do so, if there would be the same public lynching. I very much doubt it. I think the problem here is this. It's, yes, the hypocrisy, but also it's the rules themselves. Uh, we've got a, this current situation with Djokovic in, in Australia. It's the rules themselves that are ludicrous and will inevitably lead to hypocrisy and people, people breaching them. And if we were going to remove everybody from public office who broke the rules... We'd be like if we were going to remove from public service everyone who had COVID. I mean, that just doesn't seem to make 
any real sense. But personally, should Johnson go? I think so. Will he go? I don't know. But I'll tell you what's far more important is, and a story that the press missed because of this more dramatic one, is what's called the VIP lane, which uh, the law courts on Wednesday ruled were actually illegal. Billions of pounds worth of contracts were awarded through this high priority lane. And basically, it seems to have given friends of the government, or if you're in the know, you get more access to these contracts. 32 billion items of PPE with a value of 14 billion were bought directly, were bought through directly awarded negotiated contracts. And I think it's that gravy train and everything else that goes on that we should really be concerned about. And there is something as well about this sense of entitlement. I think Boris Johnson does have a sense of entitlement. And the public school civil servants who run the country uh, and those in power and our elites. And you've often heard me speak about this. And some of you don't like this kind of language. But I think if you have elites without ethics, we are in big, big trouble. Okay, let's just go to something else. Maybe this this is this is going from well, maybe this is going from the trivial to the trite. Uh, but this, I, I just think this is indicative of our culture as well. This is from the Victorian state government. Make sure that your ladder is fit for the job, and stay in the centre of your ladder when you are climbing up and down it. Work within an arm's reach, and make sure that you don't lean too far out from the ladder. Thirdly. Make sure, seems sensible, but make sure that both your feet and both your hands are secure on the ladder and that you work within your limits and you don't stretch out beyond your capacity. Yep, you heard right. That's the Victorian state government telling you how to climb a ladder. Coming soon. Government health warnings and advice on how to hold a pen, how to open a door, how to walk downstairs. It's this infantilization of human beings, of adults, and by the way, at the opposite end, trying to make infants into adults, that's, that causes so much problem in our culture and in our society. I think that another example of this is just this incredible uh, tweet from someone called Dr. Ellie Murray, who's apparently an epidemiologist somewhere, and suggesting that over Christmas and New Year, I mean, I didn't think this was real, so I didn't say it at the time, but I found it since it is real. If your gathering has a meal, consider having people plan to bring the food home rather than eating it all together. Eating requires unmasking, and unmasking means more chance trans of transmission. Or have different households eat in different rooms at the gathering. So you're inviting people around for a meal, and you say, you've got to eat in a different room. Uh, yeah. As I said... One of the things that's happened with COVID, and next week I'm going to do a special on COVID, so I'm not going to say anything more about it here, but it's this, this idea that governments need to treat their populations like idiots. I was greatly struck by this song with Johnny Cash. There once was a musical troupe, a picking, singing folk group. They sang the mountain ballads and the folk songs of our land. They were long on musical ability, folks thought they would go far, but political incompatibility led to their downfall. Well, the one on the right was on the left, and the one in the middle was 
on the right and the one on the left was in the middle and the guy in the rear was a Methodist. And he's basically saying don't go mixing politics with the folk songs of our land. Uh, and I would say don't go mixing politics with the religion of our land. I would say that with sport and everything else. One of the disturbing trends of 2021, which will, I think, be accelerated in 2022, is the politicization of everything. Social media have greatly helped with that, but everything is seen through political eyes. And the ability for us to think for ourselves, we again are being infantilized in that way. But anyway, let's do some politics. Um, main news. Well, one thing that we, we mentioned in our, our predictions uh, last week's podcast was inflation and the economic crunch that is coming to many homes. Consumer prices rose 7% in the year through December. This is in the US. The fastest rate since 1982. 7% inflation. That is extraordinary. In Myanmar, Aung San Suu Kyi has been found guilty of a further three criminal charges, sentencing her to four further years in prison. She's been detained since February the 1st. And uh, she's 76-year-old. She was found guilty of two charges related to illegally importing and owning walkie-talkies and one of breaking coronavirus rules. It looks as though they're just going to keep finding stuff against her to keep her in prison. And then in some news from Africa, and this year I do hope to carry more news from Africa, Nigeria has, after I think it was seven months, it is seven months, has lifted its ban on Twitter. And uh, they've agreed to open a local office in Nigeria. Uh, Many people... We'll say, well, what's the importance of that? Well, Twitter was banned because of a reference to President Buhari. And Twitter removed a post from President Buhari referring to the 1967-70 Nigerian civil war. The interaction of social media with governments and authoritarian governments will continue to be interesting in this coming year. Okay, I tell you what, I'm going to play you a song by Florida and 99 Cents and let's see if you can guess what the next story is. Everybody inside sipping on a good time, you ain't got a risk, they can put it on me. When they want to go, they know all my money sure, I don't ever get it one way, yeah, spinner than I get it same day, but hey. came for the cake. It is, of course, the gay cake case. Now, this is uh, a case that has gone on for seven years, and a gay man walks into Asher's Bakery in Northern Ireland and asks them to bake a cake with a 
pro-same-sex marriage, which at the time was illegal in Northern Ireland, asked them to bake a cake with that on it. And Asher's refused. They were taken to court. They were found guilty. They appealed to the Supreme Court. And in 2018, the Supreme Court ruled that the bakery was not objecting to Lee's sexuality, but disagreed with the message. And the European Court of Human Rights have just come out with a judgment which says that the Supreme Court were right. And so the case is finally over. It was a dreadful case for Asher's. It was a deliberately provocative and illogical and unreasonable case, as was pointed out many times. Peter Tatchell, for instance, defended Asher's, although I saw a tweet from him recently where it seemed to go, he, he seemed to be going against what his original opinion was. But the defence is still true. If someone walked into a Jewish bakery and asked him to submit a cake supporting the Nazis or a far-right party, anti-Semitic party, would they be, would they be forced to do that? So it, it, it is very, very good news that that case has been won, but desperately sad that it had to be fought at all. All right, let's move on to this, another subject that's going to come up again and again, and that's the question of disability and abortion. Now, this is a piece of information you may not know, but a new UK study has found that more than 10,000 women who took abortion pills at home between June 2019 and May 2020 required hospitalisation as a result of complications. That's 20 women per day. Remember the argument for abortion was that people wouldn't do self-abortions and end up in hospital? Well, 20 women per day in the UK alone have ended up in hospital for because of taking abortion pills. On that same kind of in that same kind of area, the Slovakian government has finally apologized to the thousands of Roma women who were coercively sterilized over several decades, right up till 2004. Some women didn't even know that they'd been sterilized. But then this story is just breathtaking. The Telegraph has reported that in the UK, children with learning disabilities were offered do not resuscitate orders during the pandemics. GP surgeries asked if teenagers with autism and Down syndrome wanted not to be resuscitated amid concerns about the pressures on the NHS. Now, we warned you where this is going. The elderly, the sick, the disabled... You know the mantra that's kept coming back? Protect our NHS, protect our NHS. Well, it keeps sick people out. I think that really is absolutely chilling. I just feel like the person who I'm turning into irreversible. I prayed on you like it's church at the pew. And now that I got you, I don't want you. Took advantage of my thirst to pursue. Why do I do this dirt that I do? Get on my soapbox and preach my sermon and speech. Detergent and bleach is burning the wound. Cause now with her in the womb, we can't bring her in this world to the new. To use protection for our pity to your forbidden fruit. Oh, 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 oh,
Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Hey, what can I say? Now, where that ties in, uh, as some of you know, we, uh, we do a podcast. I do a podcast uh, for Sydney Anglicans here called Ask. And amongst other things, I did this interview with a young man called Jack. And it's an absolutely superb interview, but listen just to this bit. You have such an interesting story. How old are you? So I'm 24, going on 25 in a few days' time. You were not supposed to be born around Christmas time, were you? No, I was actually supposed to be born in March, actually. In March. Yeah. So you are 20 weeks premature? 20, 23 yeah. weeks premature? Yeah, 23 yeah, weeks premature. Around, yeah. You must have been, with, with all due respect, you must have been tiny. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like 900 grams. So I could fit in my dad's forearm, just like along there. And yeah, yeah it, was, um, it was amazing. So whenever I hear like people saying, you know, oh, my baby was born when it was like pretty light. It was like one kilo or it was yeah. like 1.5. I'm like, you, you've still got a way to go. Nine, 900 grams. That's Now, you must have been in hospital for a, a long period of time. And, mm. you know, your parents must have been great. I mean, people... Forgive me saying this, people can be aborted at that, at, at that oh, age. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I was actually born sort of when I was because if I was in the same situation today, honestly, I'm not sure, you know, where I would have ended up. Yeah, um, yeah but my, um, I was in the hospital for about 100 days and I was on a, um, a breathing machine even when I came home because mm. uh, my right lung had collapsed and I had pneumonia and everything that could go wrong basically did go wrong. And my parents told me a story a while back, but they had, they'd gone uh, on holiday up the coast because they essentially needed to get out of Sydney because they were so mentally drained by sort of the constant news of, okay, is our child going to live or is our child going to die? And mm -hmm. I think it was when they got up to where they were going to stay, they got a call saying, uh, look, he's probably going to die. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to come back down mm -hmm. and or do you want to be there and my mum and dad essentially were like look we'll we'll wait and see mm -hmm. and uh, they got news uh, later on that was saying that I was going to be okay or I was looking um, okay at that time so yeah it was definitely a roller coaster for everyone involved I mean that is amazing now he's an extraordinary young man born what, 100 days early or something? Just extraordinary. 23 weeks early, I think he was born. And God has blessed him richly. And, and God, you know, let's just remember that and think about that. Okay. Uh, remember this? Is this a Christmas film? The old legend of the Shankara stones. The villagers' sacred rock was taken. Village stories, Dr. Jones. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. That is Indiana Jones and I think the Temple of Doom. And when you look at it on Sky, they have this trigger warning. This film has outdated attitudes, language and cultural depictions which may cause offence today. Contains violence. Wow. And Enid Blyton is to be written. Wow. Yet they're not going to leave these cultural iconoclasts, these cultural liberal progressive imperialists are not going to leave a single book, film, poem, song 
untouched until everything is remade in their dull, monotone, boring image. I thought archaeologists were always funny little men searching for their mummies. Mummies. Do you recognise this language? It's a beautiful language. It is, of course, Welsh. Now, I don't know if this applies to speaking of Welsh, but the Welsh government, the Labour government, have issued a list of do not use politically correct words and phrases. Uh, they ban the term of HM government and BAME. The staff are advised to say non-disabled rather than able-bodied. Uh, civil servants are told not to refer to Her Majesty's government. Just call it the UK government. Um, and this is this is my favourite. The guide warns staff to avoid using metaphors, saying they do not say what you actually mean and lead to slower comprehension of your content. I've got nothing to add. There's no metaphor for it. Well, I'll tell you what, since this, since we often do national anthems, I don't think I've done the Welsh yet. Uh, this was, this is the Welsh singing Land of My Fathers played before Wales beat England at rugby 30 to 3. Probably the Welsh are the greatest singing nation in the world, and that's certainly one of the greatest anthems. Now, do you remember the days when you would, we would mock, or people would mock, the solitary figure walking around the city square with a sandwich board proclaiming the end is nigh? Well, now Hollywood are doing it, or at least Netflix. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep in Don't Look Up which is, I've written a review of it, but it's essentially just a piece of propaganda of which Pravda would be proud. Um, you know, how to get the message across of uh, climate change and everything else. Now, the, the irony is, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio has just been pictured on his massive yacht with its helipads and its incredible carbon footprint. But hey, so what? He's on the, he's on the right side, if you want to put it that way. Man, oh. Well, there's an interesting bit at the end. Listen to this. Well, we're not the most religious here in the Mindy household, but um, maybe we, should we say amen? Should we do that? I mean, don't look at me. I don't know how to say why you just say amen. I don't I got this. 
Amen. Dearest Father and Almighty Creator, we ask for your grace tonight, despite our pride, your forgiveness, despite our doubt. Most of all, Lord, we ask for your love to soothe us through these dark times. May we face whatever is to come in your divine will with courage and open hearts of acceptance. Amen. Amen. Wow, you've got some church game. Now, what do I think about that? I, I, it, was, it was a bit surprising for me, bringing God in at the end. Um, actually, that was quite a lovely prayer. And it's from the kind of teenage rebel. Um, and they all pray together. But of course, it's pointless praying to God, isn't it? Because the earth is about to be destroyed. And it's no spoiler to say that's what happens. Bringing God in at the end when it's all over. Nah, that's not the reality. I tell you what. Let's go to another film. You're my father. I'm your son. I love you. But you think of yourself as a colored man. I think of myself as a man. That's the story of, that's the glory of Yeah, Sidney Poitier he has died. Uh, he was 94 years old. He was the first black actor to command top billing in Hollywood films. Um, just an absolutely brilliant actor. And Guess Who's Coming to Dinner remains one of my favourite films. Uh, as is In the Heat of the Night, which was another one, which is absolutely tremendous. Um, yeah. I wish we had more actors like him. I don't care their skin colour, but the fact that he was black was particularly impressive given the context in which he was operating. Okay, let's say a couple of things about the church. Uh, let me go to the church in Scotland. It's a Baptist church. Uh, a friend of Quantum shared this with me. I've checked it. This is for real. A Baptist congregation in Bears Den have written to their congregation asking them to support the ordination of uh, a man called Andrew Stone, who is in a gay relationship, and so the Baptist Union in Scotland were not prepared to consider someone in a same-sex relationship. And it's interesting, the letter says, at present. So he's applied to the Baptist Union of Great Britain, and it means that he may end up moving to England or Wales, and they have to get a commendation from Andrew's local church, and this Baptist church are writing to its members, asking them to support this. Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, I think it's completely wrong, that you're, you're, someone is applying to teach the Bible who's living in a relationship which denies what Christ teaches. Then the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, here's a small part of his New Year's message. When we plant a seed, we don't see the fruit immediately. But under the surface, God is working with what we have planted. In the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
I see that God turns all endings into new beginnings and death into life. God invites us to be part of this story, to be people who bring hope, healing and renewal to our world. This year, let's keep planting those seeds. Let's keep moving forward in hope. I wish you all a happy new year. Now, admittedly, the message wasn't very long, but it was so depressing. You know, the world is dependent on fungi. And I'm saying, well, no, you're the Archbishop of Canterbury. We're not dependent on Christ. It was all a message about climate change and despair with that little religious bit thrown in the end, which doesn't make any sense. God turns all endings into new beginnings, death into life, all of us moving forward in hope. Really? Everybody? That's what the Christian message is? Nothing of Romans 8 there. Nothing of what Christ teaches, really. Okay, speaking of the church, let's go to the Netherlands. Here's some of this. That's Psalm 42. Mein Seel dorst nach God, nach den liefenden God, wannier zal ich ingehang, ein vor God's angezeigt verschien. Sorry, I haven't spoken Dutch for so long. Apologies to any Dutch listeners. But the interesting news there is in 2020, only 14.4% of the population now identify with a Protestant worldview. Catholics had fallen to 19.8%. Islam had grown to 5.2% and the nuns had grown to a record 55%. 13% of the population attend worship services, 8% every week. 33% say they believe in God and 24% say they do not. Although only one in Cath three Catholics say they are sure about the existence of God and two in three Protestants. 92% of Muslims say they believe, without a doubt. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go. And uh, speaking of the Welsh, I'm going to go out, go out with the Welsh again. But here's Michael McIntyre uh, talking about Welsh singing. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven. Insane. You do know that, don't you? You are insane. <laughs> Most of you look at me as if to say, oh, thank God the comedy's over. It's just like Chaffle. I love it. <laughs> I love the sing song. This is great. This is absolutely great. I could not go to a theatre in the whole of England and go out and go, dear Lord and Father of mankind. <laughs> it's very unlikely. Forgive our foolish ways. We were like, oh, I love it. Bread of heaven. <laughs> Bread earlier from heaven, it's all right, bread of heaven, are you all right? I'm full up on bread of heaven, me, I am. 
I love that you sing it at the rugby, don't you? At the rugby. This is, a, this is a lovely thing that, you know, sporting events can be extremely hostile, but you're there going, him number 237, all right? <laughs> right up, man, all right, we all all right, let's sing it, let's build it up tonight! You've got the New Zealanders, you know, giving all the haka. Come on! <laughs> you look a bit hostile. Go on, have some bread. It's from heaven. Chill out, man. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, let's go out with Bread of Heaven, uh, Kumronda. We need the guidance of the great Jehovah. We need the guidance of the great Redeemer. And we need him to feed us. So may God bless you. Uh, come back next week for a COVID special. I'm hoping to be on holiday for a couple of weeks. If, if I manage to pass my COVID test and therefore I'm able to fly. Uh, who knows with the extent that's going on here. But come back next week anyway. If you want to support Quantum, please feel free to go to the Podbean fundraiser. You got any comments or ideas, let me know. God bless you. See you next week.